I mentioned um, before our sit that I wanted to talk about choice this afternoon. Um, I was thinking about it this week because I often, I think I say choice um, when offering meditation instructions, but we do, we have a choice when we are lost in thinking and we recognize that we've become lost in thinking that we can let go of that thought and return to the present moment or we can choose to stay in the thinking. I, I, like I said, um, sometimes I've, re I've remembered or noticed I've had fights with myself about let it go. No, this, I, I need to think this through. And it's like, no, come back. No, I have to. So there's even um, uh, difficulties in, in making a choice, which is not unusual for me. But to recognize that we do have that choice to come back. And so um, I thought, well, what do the teachings say about choice? Because I never investigated that, that specifically before. And then as I was thinking about choice, it's like, where does karma come into this? Karma or kama is the Pali word. And um, oftentimes we think karma is, especially in, in contemporary thought or, or uh, yeah, the way it's used is karma is going to get you. Like if you do something wrong, it's going to bite your butt and, and you see something happens to somebody and it's like, oh, that's their karma. And that's actually not the understanding. That's not the teaching of karma. There may have been in the time of the Buddha in the Hindu teachings, a more linear, linear uh, point A leads to point B leads to point C. But in, in Buddhist teachings, karma, in Hindu, in, in Sanskrit and Pali, karma, karma means action. It means the action you're taking, and then these actions have results, and so the results are the fruit of the karma, rather than karma uh, getting you, like instant karma, that famous song. Um, so karma is willful or volitional action, which is a choice. It's also a choice, you know. Um, uh, so it's really interesting, and I found I found a quote that was I thought was interesting. It's um, from uh, the book, What the Buddha Taught by Walpola Rahula. And he said, instead of promoting resigned powerlessness, which is, you know, karma as fate, the early Buddhist notion of karma focused on the liberating potential of what the mind is doing with every moment. Who you are, what you came from, is not anywhere near as important as the mind's motives for what it's doing right now. Even though the past may account for many of the inequalities we see in life, our measure as human beings is not the hand we've been dealt, for that hand can change at any moment. We take our own measure by how we play the hand we've got. So I really like that because it's not this fatalistic, predetermined, you know, I, I, there's some beliefs or philosophies that said, oh, it's all written down before you're born and you're just going through the motions and it's like, why bother? So um, that's, not what, that's not what karma is. And, and it's especially aggravating when people are born into really challenging circumstances and little children suffer great difficulties and people say, well, they must have done something bad in a prior life. That's not what this is at all, at all, at all, at all. So I think that's really important to recognize that. And so 
instead there it, it kind of ties in with the teaching of dependent origination when because we do one thing because of this this arises because of that that arises there's conditioning there's causes and conditions that lead to where we go and what we do and um the and it also ties in with intention which is again this volitional spark at the outset of all our actions and I, I found a piece by Gloria Tarania Ambrosia, who's a teacher, has been a teacher for many years, and she says, in Dhamma practice, in the texture of our actual experience, intention is pointing to a very subtle urge felt at the beginning of a movement or action, which may be hard to see. In any given moment, there is a whole range of possible things one could be experiencing, sights, sounds, bodily sensations, etc. And yet only one of them is selected. Attention lands on only one object at a time. And this is, this is because of intention. And, and this intention determines where our attention is going to land. And um, so every moment it wants to attend to something, which is why I always a lot of times say when you're in practice, what's calling for your attention? Is it the sound? Is it an emotion? Is it the thought? What's, 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 um, letting the awareness land on it. So, so there's all these comings and goings and, um, and uh, nothing's predetermined. It's, it's, it's where you bring your intent, where you place your attention. And um, intention, aspiration, it's where we ground ourselves how, and, and how we, we begin to um, set a course towards liberation. It, hopefully, if you're, if you're doing this practice, you're setting a course towards liberation, towards um, disentangling from the, all the conditioning that we have um, uh, experienced over the years that we're often caught up in. We don't see most of our conditioning because we're conditioned by our, our society, we're conditioned by our family, we're conditioned by all the things we experience and most of it is not a conscious we don't do things because oh i'm doing this because i was conditioned to think this way i was told that it wasn't okay to feel anger or you had five days to feel grief now you should be done with it um we may have taught that and that has has colored how we move through the world but so often it's um not at the conscious level it's implicit rather than explicit and which is why the practice is so beneficial because it brings what is implicit to the surface so we can begin to see why we keep doing this, why we keep walking in this one direction when we actually want to go in that direction. Um, it's because of this deep, deep, deep conditioning. And mindfulness um, makes us aware that we have this choice or we can recognize there's a choice whether we can actually make the choice and move in the direction is a whole nother thing sometimes it takes a whole lot of of looking at and reflecting and allowing the intellectual to move to the experiential um, it takes practice it takes falling down it takes intention it takes awareness it takes this this effort of coming back of coming back of coming back of of keeping the uh keeping to the course i i used the i i i didn't start this i've heard this from teachers 
the idea of sailing a ship. Like if you leave from New York and you want to get to um, the UK, to England, you have to set a course. And if you're not paying attention, you could end up in South Africa um, without too much trouble. But it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like you're like, ah, you're there. All of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, something's not quite right. A bit off kilter. And I think it was last week I talked about dukkha. Dukkha is being, can be thought of as being a little bit out of whack, off kilter. Of course, I was thinking today we have GPS, so there's much less chance that we're going to drift away. But it still happens because we don't always have GPS. Um, and I don't think it works with this stuff. It do doesn't work with life decisions. Oh, if it only did, if it only would tell us what choice to make instead of turn right at the next corner, you know, walk away from this relationship now. That would be so helpful. That would be so helpful. But unfortunately, it doesn't. And we have to learn to uh, recognize and navigate those things ourself, ourselves. Um, because of this conditioning, we operate mindlessly. And there's no choice involved. It's just autopilot. It's the conditioning, you know. And the idea of, um, uh, when is it? And the actions we take in each moment. There's our, there's our conditioning that comes before this moment. And then the action we take in this moment, which kind of sets us in the direction for the next moment. That's like the this, this ship that leaves New York and is trying to get to the UK, but ends up because we're not paying attention and we're leaning on the wheel and it's starting to drift south instead of you know, heading straight or north or whatever the direction is. Um, everything we do in this moment leads to the next one. And that's why I love that, um, that saying that when we look at wise intention, I always talk about how intention leads to action, leads to um, uh, character, uh, leads to habit, leads to character, leads to destiny. It's what we do here, the action we take, moves us in the direction. And if we choose to move towards liberation, the end of suffering, we're, not, we're no longer moving towards suffering. That's what the Buddha taught. The end of suffering. Suffering and the end of suffering. You're moving towards it, you're moving away from it. And it's a choice. It's this first recognizing that we have a choice. So often in my life, around so many things, I would say, I can't help it, I'm born that way. And there are very few things that um, that's true about. Um, the physical capabilities and physical things, but the way I view the world, my perceptions, my assumptions, my reactions are generally conditioned. And if I say, you know what, I can do something about it, it's the invitation to investigate what's getting in the way. Why can't I? What's underneath? Um, and then making the choice. And it's a, you make a choice in every moment. It's not like you make a choice and you're done. You make a choice and then you make a choice again. I remember when I was thinking about this this afternoon, I remember when I quit smoking, which was a very challenging thing to do. I thought about it for a long time. I thought about quitting but I didn't try because I didn't want to fail at it because so, <laughs> that's how I work. I just, I can't, I can't bear being a failure at anything, so I'm not going to try. So I didn't try quitting smoking. So I tried, I just, one day I decided, and I thought about it and I kept saying, my intention is to be, 
you know, my intention is to move in this direction. And then one day I just put down the cigarettes. And every time I wanted a cigarette, it was a mindful, this was before I was really practicing in, in any way, shape, or form. It was a mindful decision. I am not going to smoke right now. And recognizing that it was much more a habit of the mind after the, after the stuff got out of my system, it was a habit of the mind. And I had to bring awareness, mindfulness to it all the time. This is the first time I'm going on a long drive without smoking. This is the first time I'm going camping without smoking. This is the first time I'm doing all these different things. And so it's a choice. It's not, I, I'm not going to smoke and then I'm done. Yay. It's a choice in every moment. And I have to do that a lot of times. But somebody asked me this morning about sarcasm. How do you not be sarcastic? And it's like, I have to make a choice in the moment to not respond in a way that's sarcastic or possibly hurtful. And it, is, it requires me paying attention. I have to pay attention. So the if we're not making, if we can only make a choice when we're paying attention. I mean, we can choose, we choose to do something, but it's much more reactive if we're not paying attention. And when we are paying attention, then we can respond, choosing which direction to go in. Hopefully, we have the underpinnings of the Eightfold Path, the Four Noble Truths, the, 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 the teachings that, ha that have been my, my um, guiding star over these, these many years that take me towards the United Kingdom and not way off course, um, if I'm going back to my ship sailing analogy. Um, you know, and when we make a decision, we're not making a mistake. We're just deciding what's the next indicated thing based on, you know, where we are right now and what seems to be. And sometimes we don't know. Obviously, Nothing is guaranteed. No, we have to stay out of the outcome. You know, all we can do is take the action in this moment. Results are not promised or guaranteed. And that's where a lot of times it's easy to get hung up. Well, if I do this, how do I know? And it's like, well, if this is the, if this is the wise choice to make, then let me make that wise choice. And then the next moment will present itself. You know, we only have right now. We only have right now. You know, we choose the path, we choose to work towards liberation, we choose to do the things that lead us there. And then um, Gloria Terrania Ambrosia writes again, at every moment we are standing at a crossroads. We have the option to choose a future that is happy and carefree or one that perpetuates habits and patterns that we know lead to more suffering. It's a remarkable and profound teaching that we have the ability to choose the ending of suffering to choose the path that leads to awakening. You know, but how do, we, how do we go about turning our intention in the direction of goodness and freedom? And I, for me, it's been the teachings, the Eightfold Path, the Four Noble Truths, and recognize what gets in the way. Where do I react? What's, what's the underlying causes and conditions for me that, that keep me going in this direction of suffering, that keeps me in a job way longer than I should be in it, or in a relationship way longer. What's the fear? 
And a lot of times, you know, and, and I have to say that mindfulness is not a panacea. It doesn't give you all the answers. And I had to do some therapy as well to have really help me excavate this stuff. But then as I began to see it, it was the, the practice that held me as I began to make different choices in my life, as I began to move in a different direction. Um, you know, the Buddha said the mind can be trained to awaken it can, it can be trained to see the causes of ignorance and to bring them to an end. And um, there's this one other piece I found. It was written by a Soto Zen priest, Domio Burke. And um, she said, what happens when you have a choice? And she said, my personal example of finding a way to make a difference through choice and experimentation is this. I regularly deal with irrational, out-of-proportion little rages at setbacks like dropping something on the floor or getting caught at a red light or because somebody in front of me has been driving obliviously and has slow reaction times. I'll experience these little rages sometimes swear and do untoward things. I've tried just, I've tried just, I've tried just trying not to feel angry and that didn't work. These things, these little rages explode before I really have any control over them. I've tried arguing with myself that this is irrational. Look at this. That's just an unimportant little thing. Why are you getting so upset? That didn't work. Feeling ashamed about it, embarrassed about it doesn't help. You know, one day I, as I experienced one of these rages, I just put my hand on my heart and embraced my whole experience without any kind of agenda to change it, just feeling it, feeling it in the body and mind and heart and looking carefully at it. What was I thinking and feeling and doing and experiencing? I noticed I was exploding in this little rage because I was really stressed out and overwhelmed in my life in a larger sense. I wasn't even aware of that being the case. So there's the, you know, recognizing this conditioning, this, this, Rage, she explains, is a, is a reaction to this stressor underneath. And Tan Jeff, Tanasaro Bhikkhu, translates dukkha as stress. So that's, you know, dukkha right there. And I actually, as I was reading this the other day, I thought of the, I had this experience on Wednesday night. I was driving down to, um, we're going to uh, Angel City Football Club, the women's soccer team in Los Angeles. We were going to a match down at uh, near the stadium is near USC, which if you know anything about Los Angeles traffic, trying to drive there at six o'clock on a Wednesday evening is a recipe for losing your mind. And so, but traffic wasn't too bad, but then we were getting off the exit and the exit was backed up and it took, we were we would have been on time, except it took over a half an hour to get off the exit and then an, almost another half hour to get to the parking lot. And we're talking like less than a mile. So it was like almost an hour. And I could find myself, because when I'm late to things, I start, the shoulders go up around my ears. I want to lash out. I want to blame my husband because obviously it's his fault. Um, I want, I just, and I just was like, okay, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. There was such, and it's like, and if we're, we're going to be late. 
we'll miss half the match. We almost ha miss half the match, but you know, it, it is the way it is. How can I not explode? How can I be with this intense discomfort? This intense, because I... I'm not always on time anyway, but sometimes, you know, for certain things, it's like, I want to see the beginning because it's really fun and they do all these things, blah, 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 you know, the missing out. And it's just let go, let go. Just be with, as she was explaining, it's just be with these feelings. Be with these feelings. Um, and it took us a long time to get there. And it's like, oh, well. And you know what? My life is no different. Had we gotten there on time, had we not, uh, had we gotten there inside on time instead of what actually did happen, the only thing different is I wouldn't be telling you that story. But my life would be the exact same in every way. But we, but things get so ginormous in our world when we can't be present for what's right here. When we can't be with the discomfort. The uncomfortability. If you would get out of my way, then whatever it is. Instead, just feel the feelings. Feel the experience. And cho I chose not to explode. I chose not to yell. I chose not to drive like an idiot. I chose not to be snarky to my husband, make snide comments about leaving earlier. Like that helps a lot. So all those things just it's it's a choice and it and and I experienced that in the course of that hour it came up a lot and I had to choose to not do it and then I'd be calm and then I have to choose again and choose again so it was a continual choosing not to react but to respond so choice is incredibly important and the karma the fruit of my actions is that we didn't get into a fight. I didn't have to apologize. You know, it's not, there's no discomfort around it. Really nice to have that as a result. So, um, yeah. So when you can see this, the, the difference a choice makes in your life, it's incredibly important. It's incredibly powerful and incredibly helpful. So recognizing those places that um, choice, um, intention, karma, uh, really helpful, really beneficial. So um, I think that's all I have to say about this. But, you know, be choice is how we put this practice into um, play. Choosing to come back, choosing to let go, choosing to do things differently. Choosing to, to wake up to the conditioning that has us in that hamster wheel um, again and again and again. Each moment is its own decision. Each moment is its own action. And then see the difference that that makes in your life. Is it taking you away from suffering, taking you toward suffering? So thank you, thank you, thank you, my friends, for your, your, your kind attention. It's always such a delight to be with you. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.